Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great uh, great to be with you on a Balls McWednesday always. Hope you're doing well. Hope this finds you guys enjoying a glorious day indeed. You can find me on Twitter at Jay Cameron Show. Tom's here. Director Matthew's here. We're all here. The gang's all here. You know, I think given what it was and then what we found out after the game in terms of the emotions of it and um, and the effort it took given what they were. I, in a weird way, I think you guys will understand this. You will. I think you will. Let me just begin with a choo-choo. There you go. There, There's that. Now, ordinarily, obviously, a win over lowly Clemson in a lost season, especially at home. TLC double C would not elicit that response, but um, I think uh, I think that was a lot about uh, what for want to heart emotion all of it. If you heard Leonard Hamilton after the game, and you know one thing about Leonard is is I mean he loves he loves the kids, man. He loves his his team. He loves um, the players. He loves uh, a lot uh, to do with. Um, uh, his program, the kids that invest in it, the people that work hard for it, all of that. Um, and to see him get choked up in the post-game press conference while talking about the win, um, it kind of caught me off guard because I didn't really realize where he was going. Um, and then I then I saw Iris' story afterwards. Of course, we heard he talked about uh, team trainer and all of that. I, and then I realized um, what was what was going on there. Something bigger than us is the story you can read on WarChant.com as FSU rallies around cancer-stricken manager is uh, the story that Ira wrote. If you want to learn more about it, um, but that was that was nice. Uh, it's been a, it's been a tough year, and it was it's a, it's a nice story surrounded by tragedy. Obviously, uh, you'd like not to have to do that, um, but but hearing him talk about we had a lot to play for. Um, and you know, he, he talked a lot about his concern for Mr. Lynn and, and where they're at and, uh, in, in that situation, they wanted to give him a reason to smile. So good, good for Florida state last night and getting a win. And you know what? Good for Raekwon Evans, man. I, I, I mean, Tom, that guy in a year of disappointment and really his play is so up and down in general. Um, you know, I don't, I, you know, it's you go from the Jared Glenn story, which is we wish him well. Certainly, we all do, and uh, we're rooting for him to to get better. And it's a nice story, and you you find out why Coach Hamilton's emotional after the game, and you find out uh, how hard they played, not just for themselves, but obviously for him. But but in terms of assessing the play, it's really weird the season that Raquan Evans has had. He's had some special moments that he will take with him this year. Um, in the midst of uh, really a lost campaign. And and last night adds to the ledger. So good for him. And this has been a story for him that's been tragic this year, too, losing his brother. So uh, s- some moments that uh, humanize it all uh, and, and, and make you smile. Yeah, it was a legit N1. I mean, that was yeah. through contact. There are some times where you, where you get a whistle near the rim towards the end of a game, and you go, ooh, well, okay. home crowd yeah, maybe. You know, yeah. th- There's involvement. But, no, that was through harm and a great finish. And he started to the left. I mean, but he yeah. sunk the free throw again, and he I did. Mean, yeah, which he did, and, and it was like uh, McPherson, my favorite Gator that ever lived, the kicker for the Bengals. What with Duke, he said, you know, we're going to win this, no problem. And the big, or, or yeah. they push it to overtime. Same thing last night. Uh, he does have signature moments, 
I think like in his top five, there's two or three from this year, and then there's a couple from two seasons ago. Not not much from the the season in between, but you know, in a year where it's going to be lost, uh, unless there's one magical week in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, you do have a few highlights this year that you can be generally proud of. And Wait. Raekwon Evans is in the middle of uh, a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you think about the Duke game, you think about the Miami game, you think about yeah, there have been several of these moments. So. I'm happy for him because whenever uh, certainly we've assessed his play, it's never it's not been a personal thing. It's just been about what, you know, I mean, he's limited. This team is limited in a lot of ways, uh, both in terms of what they don't have, but then also in the way that they've struggled. Um, and, and they've struggled in so many areas. I, I feel like one of the underrated areas in which they've struggled is, uh, is maturity um and, and the ability to overcome some of these setbacks they've they've in my mind let it linger a little bit too long and carried over from game to game and bad half to bad half and and, and that's been frustrating for me to watch because I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop which was this the, the fight you saw last night I was waiting for that shoe to drop like hey at some point you say well you know f this I mean what we're gonna go through the motions and get our heads kicked in for the remainder of the year we're we gonna fight we're we gonna show up we're we gonna defend we're we gonna try I mean you may not win you may not have the horses to win you can't just sit here and be listless and take an ass kicking that's where the frustration came from so to see them fight that okay good yeah, kudos to them kudos to them. I get we rotated 10 guys last night but I do think the uh what was it 46 fouls that were called yeah 46 fouls I think that actually helped us you needed to break up that game a little bit I understand that Clemson ended up shooting a hell of a lot more free throws than we did, uh, 36. Well, not that many, 36 to 30. But it was one of those games where, given everything that's been going on and given what we do not have in the way of depth, the more fouls that were called, the more the game was broken up, the more fresh we would be down the stretch. So it kind of favored us in that way. Yeah. But it is laborious. Oh. It can be unwatchable, Tom. You can say it. It's, it can be absolutely unwatchable. But uh, it did it did make me smile for them to get a win and defend the home court. Good. Um, and, and, you know, I think there are important keys uh, for Florida State to win this game. Um, you know, Clemson came into this game. I was just pulling up this number now. Came into the game shooting 38% or thereabouts from beyond the arc. That's fourth best in the ACC. So I said to you yesterday, this is all wrong for us, baby. We don't defend the three to save our life. Uh, everything about this with the guys that we're missing, um, the, the, the dispirited bunch we saw on the floor, uh, their inability to cover something that Clemson does well, the fact that Clemson's guard heavy in a lot of ways. I thought, man, this is going to be tough. Um, they're averaging almost eight threes made per game, and Florida State loves to give up the three. Um, and and it seems like everybody is treed against us, as I like to call it, uh, during a six-game losing streak, um, especially when you lose games to Virginia Tech, who goes 18 of 25 from three, and Pitt, who went 7 of 13, and Pitt stinks. Um, so, you know, you're, you're going into this game thinking, oh, no, what are we going to do? But uh, Clemson was, was terrible beyond the arc, including the final shot. Uh, they were 6 of 27. Uh, we did a really good job against it. So that it starts there. Um, and then, you know, I thought that there was, or they did a better job, clearly the coaching staff, to find roles for our team offensively. You know, clearly they, they, they got out of sort of just running what they run and did a lot more of, okay, look, this, this is what we're going to need out of you. You know, that kind of conversation. Yeah, and I think maybe some of those injuries um, helps make that easier to communicate to the players. Yeah, in, in a way, you just say create off the dribble, which is right, what they did. Right. Uh, we got killed on the glass, but we fought through that. I mean, yeah. there's just going to be limitations. And, and, you know, this is the thing I said before we got on that six-game winning streak and, and in ACC play, we were at the top of the standings. It was 
if you're in a close game, go ahead and win that one because you're going to get run out of the gym at other times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I came off of that after we won six in a row because I thought, well, maybe I should redefine my terms. No. In the end, the way I felt towards the end of the year, the calendar year in, in 2021, I, I think is pretty much true, which is if you're in a close one, you better find a way. And they're going to have to. I mean, this was not pretty. But, again, you're not looking for style points right now. You're looking for substance. You're looking that the culture of the program is not in danger long-term-wise. Because when the coaching staff themselves, Willie did this in his, uh, what was it, first year against Clemson. He said they quit, and then he backed off he of it. He backed off it. I mean, Leonard challenged them in the postgame after North Carolina, and he said we needed to come out with great consistency and effort in his postgame last night. So when that is consistently a message from the coaching staff, you're wondering, oh, no, do we have red flags galore here about what kind of culture is in that locker room for a given year? One given year, this is a good response last night. Well, you know, part of the problem I see with this team is that I think they're pretty soft. Um, you got a lot, you got too many guys that don't want contact in the lane, and, and you watch that, and it's frustrating. One of them's Caleb Mills, who didn't play last night. Um, he can be uh, a skillful player that is capable of lighting people up, so you want him. Uh, but he's also, I think, uh, I think he plays soft, frankly. And um, so when you watch him, you know, now he didn't again, he didn't play last night. But we have other guys that are afraid. Of, I don't want to say afraid. A shoe contact, and that is frustrating. They're not fans of it. Yeah, not fans of it. And so that that is very frustrating. And I've wanted, um, I, I've certainly wanted, I think, uh, to see a tougher team mentally and physically. I thought they were pretty tough last night. I thought they were pretty tough last night. So that that is a direct response to being called out, uh, and and that's that's good to see. Um, also, by the way, uh, it, it's funny watching watching Clemson play. I, they got to be maddening. Uh, if you're a Clemson fan and watching them play, you got a couple of really good players. Um, well, they've been close in a couple of games. Oh, I mean, Duke and North Carolina, so they took down to the wire. Yeah, they yeah. just never win those games. They never win those games. And then you're playing a, uh, a, a you know a shortened bench for Florida State, a, a team that I know how many people play, but I'm talking about guys that are viable players in this league uh, that are having to give it a go last night, and you still lose that game. That's going to be frustrating. Well, the thing I find interesting when you're talking about carving roles, only eight turnovers, and it felt like it. You know, now we will turn the ball over. That's something this program has done. No matter if it was 1.0 junkyard dog days, they did it a lot. Live ball turnovers killed our season one year with uh, against Cincinnati with Luke. And then there's been since then with the offensive era of FSU basketball and the skill era. There'll be times when you look up at the score sheet and it's 19, 20, 20 turnovers, and you go, "Good God!" If we cut that down by 30 percent, we win this game by 15. Right, right. Well, only eight last night. These are the little things that you got to put together. You got to play smarter, and you can't turn the ball over when you don't have much talent on the court. It's just, it feels so weird to be in this place with FSU basketball. It reminds me of some of the older days, uh, probably in the middle of our time on the FM dial. And to search. Right, where you're like, how do I break this game down? We're not good. But, you know, if you find a way with all these injuries, and then you have the, the I don't want to call it a heartwarming story because it's also a very sad story about what's going on inside the basketball program. It's compelling, though, and, and I'm just happy that they got the job done last night because maybe you put a smile on somebody's face who's up in Cincinnati in a cancer ward. Yeah, you're talking about Jared Glenn, and, and Ira Chaffel did a great job of documenting that story on Warchant.com. Uh, he's an FSU student manager. He's been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, as you just alluded to and as I did at the top, and he was returning to his home to receive treatment. Um, so, you know, obviously the team is going to rally around that young man. 
And if you think about Raquan Evans, who's lost his older brother um, earlier this year, uh, I mean, th- this has been a rough go, and I can only imagine um, the sense of wanting to to provide relief in some way, if it's just a game, whatever it might be, a moment in time. Um, and he did. He had a performance for the ages, and one that uh, he'll always remember. 28 points, 7 of 13 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3, 12 of 13 from the free throw line, including those la- that last one, which was so huge on the and one. Four assists, two steals. It was a game that he'll never forget. We None of us will forget. So good for Raekwon Evans, and we wish Jared Lynn nothing but the best, obviously. Cameron Fletcher had 17 points off the bench on 4 of 10 shooting, 2 of 6 from 3, 7 of 8 from the free throw line. Also had a team-high 8 rebounds, which I was impressed by more than anything else. Matthew Cleveland had 13 points, 6 of 13. Uh, if he ever learns to shoot, he'll be unstoppable. I mean, he had a better night, obviously, from the floor uh, last night. But if he gets consistent uh, in hitting open looks, um, you know, he hit mid-range jumpers last night. God, God forbid he develops a three because he's quick and he's athletic. And now He loves that 19-footer, but, you, you know, a little uh, variety uh, would, uh, wouldn't yeah. kill you, would it? I know, I know. Um, but, again, you know, he hasn't played a lot of basketball, uh, not, not in college anyhow. So, again, you would love to see him come back. I don't know if it'll happen, but you had a better offensive performance because guys were assertive. Uh, the guys I just named in particular, Cleveland, Evans, and Fletcher, were three guys that were clearly given the green light to beat somebody off the bounce and, and make shots. There it is. That's what I want to watch the rest of the year because I think there are some players, younger players, who they, they're going to need the offseason. Like, oh, Worley needs the offseason, to say the least. Okay. You, yep, uh, well, there yeah, you yeah. go. Well, I mean, it's, it it's fairly evident. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let this final three-week stretch, except for that one magical week in Brooklyn, be about Cameron Fletcher's development. Let him. I mean, look at that raw ability. You know what? He needs more time on the court. He's going to screw up. He's going to get Wait. lost in a half-court defensively. It happens not, all the time. He ain't going to defend anybody. That's correct. It happens all the time. Yeah. But you know what? More at-bats, so to speak, for this young man. Because, well, what else? What else are you going to work on? Let him get a lot better because he could be an asset. And the moment it's the, the flip comes on or the switch comes on for him. Oh, he figures it out. There he goes. Then the he's chair. gone. He's there gone. There he goes the chair. I'm throwing this through into a lake. That was multiple times this second. Yeah, and I tried to keep it together. Into a lake it goes. Um, and I, that would be bad for the environment, but something's going to happen to this chair. It's not good. Well, retention pond. Uh, <laughs> so, final ribbon on this for now, and we'll move on to some other items, including football. But, look, they're not going to an NCAA tournament. That we know. It is a moment. Albeit, I was tired of losing at home, so let's make sure we go ahead and secure these home wins while we can. I still take great pride in that record. They flashed that number up last night on the TV about the previous five years, and then this year you're like, good God, we have been something of, uh, of an invincible bunch for the past five years at home and very susceptible this year to, uh, to losses against horrible teams. Horrible teams. So I, I'm glad we didn't add to the ledger there. But they're not a tournament team, and I don't think, Frankly, that uh, I guess maybe an NIT. Do I need? Do I need to? May, I mean, maybe. There's a bit of a pulse there. I mean, there is a pulse. Okay. There you go. There you go. The ding ding is. You know what? He He's was right. about to leave I'll Railroad Square. Around. I'll stick around. All right. I'll smoke some more. So uh, there it is, right for them. Um, but if 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 we win, if Florida State wins two of the remaining five games. One of them will not be this weekend when we face first place Duke, who is uh, hellbent on revenge, obviously. Um, if you win two of your remaining five games, you guarantee, Tom, a 17th straight winning season, which is a record for this program by a lot. Okay, so Conti for a Monday night. Something to shoot for, right? Yeah. 
in the Conti Forum. We got a big game, big game Monday On night. On to the Conti Forum we go. I love saying that. Boy, they could move the Duke game off at six p.m. on Saturday. Yeesh. How about a little eleven a.m. tip? Oh yeah. Little mm-hmm. 11 a.m. tip for that one. And the huh? announcers aren't even in the building. They're just back in the studio here. <laughs> Let's take a glance of what's going on there. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm looking back through. Let's see. Uh, what do we have? The remaining schedule. Uh, well, okay. So I've got it. Yeah, go ahead. Pull it up. Go the... I think. Oh, so outside of the Duke game, which is a butt kicking waiting to happen. Conti Forum on Monday. Mm-hmm. The JPJ Arena the following yeah. Saturday. Notre Dame here, and then NC State on the final Saturday of the season. Whom we've already beaten on the road. We have the Vista that day, too. Okay. Who would have thunk it that we would be filing into the TLCCC to partake, embrace, enjoy the Vista with the last opportunity to win a game that keeps us from having a losing record on the season? Because I think that's what's going to happen, given what you just laid out. (laughs) Not exactly easy down the stretch. What a big night at BC, at Virginia, Notre Dame, and NC State. Here we go. And I got to tell you, I don't think that Monday game is going to be pretty. I think you're looking at 38 all with 12 minutes to go. Some kind of nastiness like that. At BC? Yeah. No, it won't be pretty. We're not capable of making this an aesthetically pleasing game. I mean, I think it's going to be pit redux, except it's going to be on the road this time. Get you some, BC. We need this win. We We have to have this win because we're not beating Virginia up there at the JPJ. We're not beating Notre Dame here in all likelihood. We can beat NC State here. All right, so this game, this is everything on Monday, If we score seven points in the final five minutes, I think we carry it. I think we do. (laughs) It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. The legacy continues. JY, Tommy, Chuck, Todd, Lawrence, Ricky, and Will. Sticks. February 22nd, 2022. Donald L. Tucker Civic Center. Sticks. With one hit song after another. Tickets on sale now at TuckerCivicCenter.com. Don't miss Sticks live. Hey, so good job on Warchant.com, Tom and uh, Aslan and Austin uh, breaking down the uh, offensive line, discussing the offensive line depth chart as we get moving towards spring football. Uh, After today's show, the Jeff Cameron show, I will be doing the same with Ira and Corey about the quarterback position, and I look forward to that as well. I actually think we agree more than we don't. Um, It's been presented uh, a little bit differently. Um, and that's mainly due to Corey's insane hyperbole. But uh, that said, it will be fun to uh, to discuss. There's really no wiggle room there. I don't think there's a lot. There's no mystery. We're not unveiling anything. Like, everybody knows who the starting quarterback is. It's just a matter of to what degree can he improve from the pocket. That's the, really the question that we're talking about. That's really all it is. And with all these exercises, we either have a discussion question up on Warchant.com for the members on the message board or a poll question, and a poll question for the particular topic that you will be hitting on mm. is, is Mike Norvell handling the quarterback situation correctly? And the options are, yes, I believe what he's doing. <laughs> 
It will be a, second one is it will be okay if he adds a transfer slash backup after spring. Can't bank on Travis Health for twelve games. Yeah. Third option is no. He should have brought in a qualified transfer to compete with Jordan Travis in spring. Or four, it's no. Travis is just not the answer. So those are the four options people have been voting on. Well, good. Vote away, everybody. Uh, get after it. You vote to your heart's content, and uh, talk about where you fall on that uh, that group of four. I guess it is the uh, answers. Um, Listen, I, I think that reasonable people can disagree on this uh, situation uh, as to what we think of Jordan Travis and his upside or what should have been done prior to now. But I think we're all going to agree uh, that it's quite clear. It's been made abundantly clear that this is his team and Florida State will go as far as his improvements. Um, because to me, I think uh, both personally and then on the offensive line as well as at wide receiver. I think I think you're just talking about vast improvements that are possible, Tom. And and again, I think we might debate the degree to which it happens. We might debate what's possible, what's the ceiling. We might go through the machinations of, well, I think he can get better in this area because he's got improved receivers, or this area because his offensive line's better, or this area because whatever it might be. But there's no doubt that Norvell has decided that he's the guy, and at best you're going to bring in a guy that you feel like could step in if he gets hurt, and you don't automatically lose the game. You're not sentenced to a loss just because Jordan Travis goes down, which a year ago, if Jordan Travis went down or was unavailable for whatever reason, and I'm talking about in game preparation, you fell further back behind, and you really had no chance to win a football game if that happens. You can't go into a season, a pivotal season like this one, for Mike, uh, and and then just cross your fingers that uh, Jordan is available for every single game, because to me you're gonna it, it's just not realistic. It, his history tells you it's not realistic, um, and and if that's the case, because it's not like you're gonna tell him not to run. I mean, he's a valuable weapon when he's running, obviously. Uh, so so he's gonna be subject to to being hit, and if the if he has to miss a series or a quarter, that's it. You better have somebody that can come in and hold down the fort. So I am very interested what they do in the fall in terms of a viable backup. Obviously, I don't think they're bringing in a guy to be a starter. If you were going to do that, you would have done it for spring. So it's you're only bringing a guy that's a viable backup. And we just don't, you know, part of the problem, and I'm rooting for the kid because I know he puts in the work and I know he cares and he has a requisite skill set. I think it's all between the ears. And at this level... I can understand how it would be. It's not. I'm not being dismissive, but Rodemaker is a an athletic kid. He's a tall kid who's got a good arm. He has the requisite physical tools to play the position. But when the lights have come on, or he's been asked to do it when it matters most, and I'm talking about either in a game or in a spring game a situation where he's with the ones at all, and it matters, and they're evaluating, he has failed miserably. So there's no reason to believe that he's suddenly going to get over those fears, the stage fright of which I speak. He might, he might, and wouldn't that be nice? But I think because you haven't seen it yet, and because Jordan Travis has limitations physically, 
Uh, and, and, and then I think sometimes in terms of his ability to throw the ball accurately, consistently from the pocket, we haven't seen that growth yet either. Now, that may change. I, I think that's up for debate. But, but then you have to find somebody. You have to find somebody that – and I think that's certainly what they were trying to do when they brought in McKenzie Milton was the idea that maybe McKenzie could get back to something of himself, maybe not completely, but something close to uh, what he was at UCF, and then therefore you'd have a legitimate quarterback battle. And if, and if Jordan lost the battle, well, then you'd have a really viable backup and, and, and if Jordan won the battle and McKenzie was anywhere close to what he was, then it meant that Jordan had taken a huge step forward and that McKenzie would be a very viable backup. And as it turned out, McKenzie was not. He physically could not play the game anymore. And when he came in, save for four throws against Notre Dame, he really was a fairly useless player uh, in terms of trying to win football games. And that's not me being cruel. That's an honest assessment. He physically couldn't throw the ball with any degree of consistency. He didn't have a strong arm. His foot wouldn't allow him to really step into throws. He couldn't move. So he was useless. So, uh, you know, you can't be in that situation again. You have got to have a viable backup. Yeah, the shame of that was, you know, his brain clearly told oh, him where the sure. ball needed to go. Yeah. And, but that's the thing here is uh, this came up when I was on a video for the running backs and for the offensive line. And and it's that the goal here, not just at the quarterback position or wherever, just offensively speaking, is to create a balance that hasn't existed since Mike Norvell no, took over here. No. We've had no balance because there's been no threat of receivers that can win one-on-one battles. You have to throw them open, or you have to scheme open a rub that creates the separation. You need to get the ball down the field. Short of Ja'Kai Douglas getting down the field, uh, you know you don't really see many throws to receivers who maybe won a battle. You see throws down the field that somebody's wide open because of scheme. Like, Ja'Kai actually won a couple of battles last year down the field by a step or two, and then you see a throw into the bucket. Like a, a real sing- football play. It was a single read throw. Right. And he was predetermined. And he, he I, I think where we get into the debates that I believe there's a, a misunderstanding of, where, of what my stance is. I'm not saying Jordan Travis can't throw an accurate football if he knows where he's going with the football pre-snap and that guy gets open. I, he can. I'm saying it's all the other stuff from the pocket that we don't see. And, and so that has to change. That has to change. I need to see a guy that when we play a defense, I'm going to have to say this on the video, but it's fine. I need to see a guy that when a defense that has viable linebackers that can run and read and safeties that can spy, can you beat somebody from the pocket? Can you get to your second and third receiver and put it on them accurately? Can we go one, two, three, throw, and you do that in a drop-back pass game? Because I know you can run. You're running better than most any player I've ever seen at the position. He's a a real weapon as a runner. Nobody's arguing that. It's all the other stuff that he's got to do. Because, I mean, you're going to face maybe maybe three, four teams that can take it away. Yeah, with consistency. Like, fourth and 14 is an example of what you're talking about. But you need to see that with enough consistency. But the problem is, and this is where, again, the balance to me is the biggest topic. Bigger than anything else. Because... If you're Tate or Duffy or a transfer that comes in and you have last year's receiving core, well, I mean, you're, you're screwed before the ball is snapped. You have to be preternatural like Jordan Travis with your legs in yes, order to yes, even create yes. matchups to win with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Tate is a good athlete, but he's not half the runner that Jordan is. Is that is that fair to say? Like very he's mobile, few, very but you are, right. Yeah. But the point is, okay, so if you're less than half the runner than Jordan is, your offensive line is below average, and I think that's fair. It's not worse than below average. It's not better than below average. And your receivers stink. Like, what are you supposed to do? You're screwed. You're screwed before the ball snapped, and you've got confidence issues. Good luck gaining confidence in that situation. 
So, again, for Tate or Duffy or the, the transfer that comes in, if this receiving core, these four guys, help create a segment group along with the development of a Malik McClain or, or Ja'Kai who's playing running back receiver this year or Burrell or whoever, and you have three to four receivers that are okay, maybe one or two that you feel pretty good about, now you're in a position where anybody might be able to succeed if they have to come in for two or three drives. Because you've got a chance with balance on the field that doesn't see a defense play you without respect. They've got to they've got to earn it. Same thing for the offensive yeah. line. The offensive line we believe is developing and getting better. But imagine an offense that has balance and you don't have to worry about crazy games and stunts because they can't stack seven or eight at the line sure. of scrimmage indiscriminately. Sure. Yeah. That's the goal here is the balance that we're searching for. Yeah, the, the and, and by the way, all of that is symbiotic. If the offensive line is vastly improved, then Jordan Travis has a chance to get comfortable in the pocket and go through his progressions and make a read that isn't his first receiver and make a throw. If, if, if the offensive line does that and he doesn't take the step forward, we'll know instantly that it's just not happening. I mean, at some point, it's got to happen. I know he's only started what, 22 games in his career here? Seems like that's impossible since he's been here for 25 years. But, I mean, uh, you know, at some point I, I need to see it. I got to see it. Maybe it happens. That's what everybody who is in the camp of Jordan Travis, and uh, listen, I want him to succeed 100%. But if you're in his camp and you're a big believer, you're a believer because you say it'll be the first time that he has that chance because they have – viable college football power five wide receivers that they've brought into the fold. At least one. We know one is. The kid from West Virginia has done it at the power five level and has been consistently good. Okay, so you got at least one, and we'll see about the other three, right? Like maybe. Well, hopefully. That's knock well, on wood. One of them will at least block for yeah. the, the one. <laughs> so right. there you go. So now you got the bubble game. And then you talk <laughs> about the emergence of McLean. And so maybe, right, maybe yeah. right. so you're already saying that you've got a better receiving core even if they're bottom of the barrel juxtaposed to expectation. Right. So, okay, put it in a situation that we all remember. Four minutes to go against Clemson. It felt like we had no chance, right? Right. Because we didn't really have a chance unless something crazy happened or Jordan just made a ridiculous play. Now put that receiving room on that field. You have a chance. Yeah. I think well, we that, think, that's, we think. We that's think the that material that's... change that could occur this year, is you, you would have a chance in that situation. Yeah, it is my great hope because I'm damn tired of watching football that is that one-dimensional and leaves you so few options. It tells you early in games. Now, we do this in the NFL all the time. When a quarterback is that limited and we see guys that are limited, an offense that's that limited, however you want to say it, when, when you see that and, and, and you see defenses capable of doing something about it, the game's over in the first quarter. I mean, you may stick around. You may get lucky. There may be a special teams touchdown. They may, there may be, be poorly turnover. coached. They may, yeah, you may, you may hang around and have a chance. But you know if you're going to put something together and have to make a play and you don't have the wherewithal to do so because you don't have the personnel, and that's hard to watch. But then also, again, look at the running back room last year. Yeah. I think it's probably better than this year. This year would have to prove you know, to fill in the hole for, for Corbin in order to make the, the overall ability of everybody across the board. And even he went through board. a lull due to injury. He did, yeah. But, I mean, think about what balance does for that because we were explosive but not consistent That's in the running game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could get you 25 quicker than we could get you four or one or two if we needed one or two, but we could get you 25 out of nowhere. You'd say, okay, explosive run, another big play, flipping the field, or we get up and we, we get to run and tempo. Mm -hmm. Well, now if you're facing a seven-man box and they've got to account for it with a healthy Jordan Travis, his own legs, 
okay, you have a much you stand a much better chance of getting to second and six more routinely than we did last year. We were in second and nine, ten, or eleven all the damn time. Yeah, really frustrating. Very, very frustrating. Yeah, winning first down will help. Winning first down. You might down be will able help. to yeah. if they don't know what's coming. <laughs> I gotta play you honest. That'd be a beautiful thing. First class is always free at Orange Theory Fitness. New members, uh, you get your first month free with the purchase of a heart rate monitor. That is a great value there. Obviously, if you're a current member listening to this, make sure you refer friends because uh, you'll get a discount on your monthly membership, plus you get people into the fold to enjoy more life, right? More life is what you get when you go to Orange Theory Fitness. You get that, and you get a team of experts and coaches and a science-based-backed workout plan to get you the more life of which I speak. And I'm telling you, it, it is transformational. They're in the middle of the transformation challenge right now. Go find out what it's about. Don't just trust me. Go in there and get that free workout, that first one always being free. Learn from those coaches and see what it's like to join that team. Orange Theory Fitness. There's two locations in town. Check them out, orangetheoryfitness.com. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. War Chant TV. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Happy Balls McWednesday, everybody. Couldn't get to be a more, or we couldn't have a more beautiful, if you're in Tallahassee, more beautiful Balls McWednesday than the one we have today. My goodness gracious. Why are we working? Come on, who are we kidding? We ought to be out at Capital City Country Club swinging the clubs for the next 36 holes, Tom Wayne. We could get 36 in if we started right now. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. uh, Man. Stunningly beautiful right now. Uh, I'm glad that somewhere along the way, I shouldn't say I'm glad, I'm not glad. It's just a sad byproduct of uh, what's happened. But um, there was a time where I thought it was uh, a special special time to you know tune into the Olympics. Mm, but alas, my friend, that time has passed. It's uh, most of the time hit and miss, flip around, watch the luge. A little ski jumping action. Yeah, also... Anything know, wrought with danger? The 13 hours ahead of us doesn't help either because it's never on when you want to watch it in terms of live television. But yeah. tonight, if you can stay up late enough, and I'm, I'm pondering it, I might tape it. Stay up, buddy. But it's the gold medal game between the United States and Canada and women's hockey. Women's hockey, that's yeah. right. Once again. Yep. Once again. Yeah. USA lost to Canada in, yes, in a qualifying did. round, and they outshot him like 50-20. to 20. Kenny Albert was mortified. And he was a documentarian. Because, uh, per your note, he mentioned it several times. That's all he does. It's the only stat he knows. 16-4 to in shots on goal. Yeah. Lightning held without a shot the last four minutes. Yeah. Who cares, Kenny? Yeah. Who has the puck? Yeah. Uh, here's why I bring this up. And this was first guessed by everybody before the Olympics started. But the IOC, nightmare. Um. Here they are in Beijing, and, and you know this is a arbitration court, a, a, a stunning decision that allowed Russian figure skater, who I mentioned, was it Monday? When I was admiring Russia's ability to remain steadfast in their efforts to ensure their athletes had an edge in the Olympics, illegally. <laughs> I, I noted that they were unwavering in their support via drugs for their athletes. They care not for your international rules or for that matter, uh, any governing body uh, when it comes to the Olympics, they are going to get their drugs on. Ever see the documentary uh, Icarus? You ever see that? 
long time ago. Really good, really good. It started off innocent where this guy decides he wants to take the same drugs as uh, you know these, these athletes just to see what it's like because he's always been uh, straight. Yeah, right when it came out in uh, late 2017, I remember it was seeing great. that. Yeah. And then you know he finds the guy that was the one providing the drugs for the Russian athletes, and he tells everybody how they did it, including having a building right next to the testing center and that they had compromised to be able to change out urine samples in the dead of night while everybody slept thinking that those samples were secure. So they had gone to these great lengths, uh, and this guy was going to tell them all about it. And then the documentary goes from, oh, this is interesting to, holy moly, that guy could die. Threats on his life. Your boy has to house him at his place. It gets, yeah, it's great. Watch it sometime, kids. You'll love it. But the Russian figure skater, Camilla Vileva, uh, gets to continue to compete in the games despite having a positive test for a banned substance, which in and of itself is, what are we doing? Like, just, this isn't complicated. How? IOC equals NCAA. So she's 15. She is a star. She's the favorite to win the women's, win the women's single competition. Um, and, and so, you know, the IOC decided to cancel any medal ceremony uh, if she places in the top three is what they said going in. They're like, okay, well, you know. And everybody went, well, well, wait a minute. So I've trained my whole life. And let's say I, okay, put aside for a moment that she shouldn't be allowed to compete after a positive test. But okay, you've decided to let her compete. I've trained my whole life. I'm not a star. She is. And I skate my ass off drug-free and say I finish second. I don't get my silver medal because her sorry ass got busted for cheating and we're not going to have a medal ceremony? What are we doing here? This is how people get killed. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Imagine putting all your your life into this. I don't get to I don't get to medal? Yeah, so if she finished with a bronze and I got a silver, we wouldn't have the ceremony? I wouldn't We're not having the ceremony if she places yeah. in the top three. How about if I got a gold and she got a bronze? So I can't hear the anthem? You don't get to hear anything. You yeah. don't get your medal. You right. get nothing. You don't get your moment in the sun. The thing you've worked your entire life for. No, man. People get hurt. There's that, that, that's crazy person talk. And it, it's not like you didn't realize the IOC was crooked. And um, It's a... Listen... You go all the way back to 2014, Sochi, first time Russia hosted the games since the Soviet Union fell. You remember this. Two years after the fact, the New York Times, with that huge story, it was a state-sponsored doping scheme that we talked about on the air, and that was hilarious because they weren't even good at it. They had 15 athletes who medaled that had to be removed from the record books. They had to take all those medals back. 15 is a lot. They found out that all the Russians were cheating in every sport across the board. Systematic. So since that time has Russia, this is the reason for the sarcasm on Monday for those that didn't get it. They, the athletes of Russia um, in, in international competition were not allowed. Basically, they, they were not. They were neutrals. They couldn't win anything. Right. They could compete, but they were neutrals. I, I guess that's how you. They're not say Russians. It. They're ROC. <laughs> Okay. Right, so you can't fly your flag when you show up to the Olympics. Yeah. You're the yeah, Russian yeah, Olympic yeah, yeah. Committee. So there's a significant vetting process before these Olympics, and they say, okay, you can you can compete. Um, now, so again, ROC, Russian Olympic Committee. <laughs> what 
what are we doing? So they're allowed to compete. Now, they're not going to be allowed to compete as a country in international competitions until December of 2022. So they can't even compete internationally. And here they are in the Olympics, right, which is insane. And yet, here you have a minor in the middle of a doping scheme. And because she's a minor, they decide to protect her at the expense of all the other athletes. What are we doing? Yeah, it makes me wonder. How much does your country suck that you have to conduct this type of widespread doping scheme in order to help, what, the morale of people on the streets? How much do they hate life that they know that they need to appease their own people to keep them from, I don't know, storming the Kremlin? That you've got to get 16- and 17-year-olds into this widespread doping scheme. And after after you're caught, you still do it. Well, think about this. That describes to me how much it sucks to live in Russia. I suppose, but beyond that, Think about what we've already encountered in terms of not allowing certain athletes to compete for far less um, transgressions. Shikari Richardson. That was the biggest deal in the world. She got popped for weed and was not allowed to compete. This chick just got popped for blood doping along with her, the rest of her countrymen. And it's not the first time. I don't, why even have the Olympics? Well, where are they being held, too? You know, I mean, what are we doing? Just, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply and she was lying Christopher on Twitter writes, at Jay Cameron Show, can we get Cam Akers' doctor to look at the basketball team? (laughs) Whatever this voodoo doctor is doing to the Knowles basketball team, well, we need it. Or at least a blood transfusion from Cam Akers himself. Yeah, no, that's a remarkable turnaround. That is one thing that has remained consistent over the last number of years, and presumably it will be uh, something that continues because, again, uh, we look at the advancements in medical science and the year-round training. Um, I, I think sports-specific, you see a lot of this. We talk about, you know, coaches will reference the fact that receivers and quarterbacks and others oftentimes come in more polished uh, than ever before because of the seven-on-sevens and the year-round ability to train and do those sorts of things. There's also some things about that seven-on-seven that ruins players, but that's a different story. Um, just in terms of skill position stuff, guys come in oftentimes ready-made, but when you talk about advancements and in, in, in just really sports-specific workouts, it's remarkable. It, it is so different. In my lifetime, you know, a lot of times we go through um, a series of kind of thought exercises about could this player compete in this era and whether or not this guy, does, would he translate what his skill set is the game 
the skills required to play today's game or any of those transferable to 1960-something or vice versa and all that. Man, the number one thing that separates all of the guys of today from the guys that played even in the 80s or 90s is the fact that you now you, you have so much more uh, uh, of a greater base of knowledge about how to get the most out of your body for each specific sport. Um, you're not there. There aren't that many days of wasted motions. Everything's about functional strength, and functional strength is a relatively recent phenomenon. Um, the the strength that you you were able to uh, obtain uh, in my day in the '80s or '90s really centered more around sort of base movements, some of which are still valuable, some of which are not. Like you're not doing curls anymore; they're useless. But doing like Obviously, deadlifting, any of that stuff, cleans were always still important. Squats were always still important. But pretty much all you had was that. You had the military. You had bench press. You had incline. You had decline. You had, you had deadlifts. You did, that's about it. Anymore now, all of this is done in which you rewire your, you know, your central nervous system and your brain. Like You figure out balancing on a BOSU while holding two dumbbells and doing an explosive movement. That changes everything about what you are as an athlete functionally. Yeah, the things that Alvin Kamara can do. Oh, you've seen that? He's like standing on the ball, and oh, you know, yeah, yeah, they'll they'll toss him something. He's got to catch. It's like it looks like a a three part boomerang. He's got to catch the correct color side. Oh, it's crazy! It's the stupidest thing you've ever seen. It's just amazing what what players can do, especially when you have those types of workouts with somebody who is wired like a Ferrari in their brain and their skill set. Yeah, your best athletes certainly have a feel for their body in every uh, part of it. Uh, when it's aligned right, when it's working right, when it's not, when there's a hitch in the giddy-up, it can be fixed. They're usually very in tune with it, but even more so now because of the parts of their bodies that they're exercising that are very sports-specific using functional explosion and all of that. Yeah. It's getting better, too. Remember, when we did the feature years ago, it was about sports hernias. You don't hear about that too much anymore. No, the core ripping against itself. They got cores so damn strong that you know your body couldn't handle it. I still think it is a a bit of a problem, but it's you know, it was a plague there. Yeah, for a while there it was. It was. Yeah, we don't want to describe that injury any more than we have to. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with.